Welcome to another podcast from IPMA in joint work with PMI. In fact, this is part of PMI's Untold series. Today, we're going to continue our conversation. In fact, this is series two, all about project steering committees. We've already talked about the why and the what. Now we're going to talk about the how. And in fact, stay to the end because we've got a key takeaway you're not going to want to miss. I'm Liz Hector, and I'm the Project Skills Mentor. I'm also a member of PMI and IPMA. And at PMI, I'm the Director of Communications and Marketing. And here with me, and who I'm going to be interviewing, is Yap Stoples. Tell us about yourself, Yap. I'm a part-time PhD researcher at Delft University in the Netherlands. And the rest of the week, I work as a project manager. So you've been doing this work for a while now, and you've been doing research, yeah. collecting data. Yeah, I've been, I've been working on this research for five years now, but only a day a week. So I have a few years to go. And now I'm starting with the third round of uh, research. And then hopefully afterwards I can finish my thesis. And essentially this research has really led you to understand what's going on with steering committees and what yeah. project managers can do better, right? Yeah, both project managers, but also general management on how to really make steering committees effective and also sometimes not to use steering committees. Yeah, and I think that's why as project managers, we need to understand your yeah. research yeah. and the key messages you're going to give us. And I'm really excited to hear that key takeaway today. Thanks. But let's get started with some of the other points you want to talk about. Now, when we talk about projects and steering committees, mm -hmm. one of the first things you left us with last week was how to actually get started. Yeah. You sold us on what a steering committee is. And by the way, if you haven't seen that video, check out this link to the complete series. And you can look at series one about how to get started and what is the idea behind steering committees. Now, you say you want to start a steering committee. That's the point of this, yeah. this session. And what happens next when you want to start a steering committee? How do you actually get started? What's the first thing you do? Well, well first, what I see what happens in practice. There could be uh, three ways. First, it could be part of a formal contract. Mm -hmm. So let's say there is a flood prevention project or a, a, a new uh, bus line, for example. Then often you have organizations who fund part of the project. And if you fund part of it, then often it's part of the project. Okay, so you will be part of the decision makers and you will be in a steering committee. Often, by the way, there are several levels of steering committee here in this kind of larger civil projects. So that's one reason. So you have it, uh, nine, nine parties paying, nine people in the steering committee at least. That's, there's another uh, thing what happens a lot. There is an owning organization, so an organization who will use and own the project products that the project will deliver. And there is somebody there saying, okay, this is uh, a large project. Uh, what we do here always is then we create a steering committee. This is what happens in practice because it's about, about 5 million, for example, or a certain complexity. So we need a steering committee. It could also be that it's based on what the supplier wants, which is a bit strange because the steering committee is a governance body. But it could be uh, like, as, like in an ERP implementation, big software, that there is a consultancy firm who does the implementation and says, okay, we need a steering committee to make decisions and to, to get things moving forward. And there has to be a director of operations and a director of IT and perhaps HR manager, depending on the topic you're going to automate. 
this is how we do it. Please deliver your people. Those are the three general starting points I see. Right. So those are the catalysts for why you start yeah. one and sort of what levers being pulled yeah. to start yeah. one. Now, to actually get started, though, that often takes either the product owner yeah. or the project manager, right? Yeah, could be. Could be. If you, if you look at it really from a more theoretic perspective and also the project management handbooks, you would say that the project owner is in the lead. Because project owner, or actually the future project owner, is the end responsible for the business case. So he or she needs to have people, might need to have people around him or her who will advise. If you look at some uh, project management standard, it, it also says that the, in the end, the product owner decides. We'll come back to that in a later topic, if that's really the case. Um, but that's not really what happens. In, it can happen in practice, but it could also be that the project manager is in the lead because he or she is more senior and also has more time. That has a risk, uh, we saw in the previous uh, session, that it's also for governance and holding the project manager to account. I don't think that the project manager will really put a lot of focus on that one. That's what we see, but it could also be other senior managers. Uh, I also know cases, for example, that there is a senior IT manager or a senior facilities manager who says, well, it has a certain complexity. We need these people and I'm not going to even be the chair, but I think there should be people involved. This and this, let's go together, find a way of working. Or as you said, it could actually come from a supplier because a lot of times I yeah. think that they see steering committees as a protection. Yeah. They're going to be held accountable. Yeah. So they're well, actually creating this buffer, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not a valid reason, I would say, for the whole, but it's understandable from the perspective of a supplier. Right, which means the supplier might come with some of their own thinking behind. Yeah, yeah, that happens. And that's one of the risks in the, in the committee, yeah. Yeah. So how does this all work in practice? You talked about the catalyst, the project manager, the project owner kind of kicking things off, knowing what part of the catalyst is actually, or the reason why it's arising, you could yeah. say. And then how does it actually happen in practice what happens next you know you need one now what happens can you give an example then let's say the it's the project owner together with the project manager they're going to say okay this project has certain complexities and risk let's say there's no contract because then it's more or less clear okay uh, it's really heavily heavily impacted uh, operations department for example let's say uh, it's an upgrade of a production plant Okay, it's really substantial, 100 million, something like that, big risk. Okay, we need to have the director of this plant involved. Okay, it's really going to influence the maintenance. We need to have the manager of the maintenance department involved. So they're selecting, they're selecting functions in the permanent organization based on where the complexity and the impact lies of the projects. That's important to remember. Then as a first, a third step will be, okay, it is the director of operation. That's this person. Sometimes people are selected based on interests and competences and so on. But in most cases, from what I did see, it's not the case. Sometimes you can choose. Let's say you have four divisions who will be impacted in more or less the same way. You could say, okay, we're going to ask one of the four, let's say, director of operations, to represent all four of them. Then you can have a choice to say, well, this person is really interested in the project, wants to spend some time, has a good network, for example, is really senior, we ask him or her. But often it's just one, this person, because he or she is the HR director, uh, elder man of a municipality and responsible for buildings or whatever. And that brings us to some risks. 
What also happens if you look at how does the group start, then we have these people, they are being asked, they say, oh yes, okay, no problem, I'm going to join. Uh, then the project manager prepares a kickoff uh, meeting, which is makes some sheets with the goal of the project, something about the planning. And there are perhaps two sheets about what should the steering committee do and what are the roles of the members. Before you go on, let's talk about that. Yeah. You want to be efficient and effective as a yeah. project manager. You want the steering committee to know sort of what they can expect. Yeah. How do you actually do that? What are the steps you go through to actually start that process? In, in practice, it just starts. What you should do together with some senior managers, could be the project owner, is really focus on, okay, not only what is the goal of the steering committee as a whole and what are the processes, but also what are the responsibilities of the individual members. We will also come back to that later. But what I see in practice is that it's a sheet and then you have, for example, for the people who know the PRINCE2 rules, I also see them in civil engineering, by the way, like senior user. Okay, you're a senior user, this and this. You must do. And it's just taking from the book. It doesn't mean that this member will really understand, okay, what does it mean? I am responsible, for example, for a user group, let's say an IT project. For my department, for all departments, I saw several examples leading to issues. Example, I'm an HR director of one of the divisions. Let's say there are five big division, divisions impacted. Am I there for my division or for the HR processes mm -hmm. or for both? Or for all divisions or for all HR processes? If you don't make that clear, there will be gaps in responsibilities. And also, similarly, you mentioned Prince2, but it could just as easily be using some form of uh, other process used yeah. within the organization or one fit for purpose. Maybe the supplier is bringing in the business process yeah. for the work because they're doing it. So you also are saying, I think, that you need to be clear about what are the roles, yeah. but also what process are we following? Yeah. And what kind of paperwork trail are we creating yeah, from the process? It. Is that right? Yeah, practicalities. An important one is the decision-making process. When you start, you can talk about it openly. How are we going to do it? And so related to that, actually, what is your big takeaway? You've told us now we need a clear process. Yeah. You've told us we need to be having not only the right people, but the right yeah. kind of roles for those people. Mm -hmm. So what's the next step? What's the takeaway you're giving us once we know these two elements? The, the people in charge of organizing the committee should really think of the committee as a temporary team. So even though the members might already work together in some way or another, it still has like the, the Tuckman phases of performing, et cetera, storming, um, norming, storming, performing, yep. adjoining. If you skip them, they will come back. So be aware of that. So do, if, do things about sharing goals. Um, what, what you will see, I think most of us will recognize it. If you take the goal of a project on the level of one of two sheets, almost everybody will agree. There will be some exceptions, but normally no. What does it mean in more detail? Most people won't agree. So that's part of this process. What can we expect of each other? What are our goals? How are we going to work together? To what degree tr do we trust each other? How will the decision-making process be? Well, that's fantastic because, you know, I think really understanding this what is a project mm -hmm. steering committee? And then how does it start to work? And then mm -hmm. how do you actually get started is great. But really, we need to understand how these decisions get made once we've got this process and the right people yeah. together. 
So we're going to talk about that next in our series three, right? Yeah, yeah. decision making is one of the important things the project steering committee does. And you can say a lot about it, who is going to make the decisions and so on. I also see a lot of variations in that with all the pros and cons. So yeah, for me, it's one of the key topics in this kind of uh, committee. You're not there just to talk talk to things, to listen to things. You have to make decisions with authority. How are you going to do that? Right. I always said, uh, we're not here to have a cup of coffee. We're actually here to do something. So that's what's going to happen next, right? Yeah. Excellent. So if you have a comment or a question for YAP or indeed PMI or IPMA, just put a comment below. And what do you think? Do you think that the process and the people are ready when you start your steering committees in the past? And if so, what was your biggest problem that happened when you started a when you started a project steering committee did you have a problem or did it all work great let us know in the comments below and i'll see you next time on pmi and ipma podcast all about project steering committees thanks y'all thanks